Welcome, adventurers. The love, familiarity, and security of home can be an overwhelming force. So the power of something that can lift those bonds must be truly great indeed. Joel Rigetti's Speaking Stone Studio presents... Tales from the Dungeon The rain pounding on the heavy canvas above her was deafening. Three days. The entire trip from Feld's Crossing, it had rained. It was so wet, the air felt heavy to breathe. Even wearing all the clothes she had with her, and despite the extra wool blanket she had purchased in Borgen being wrapped around her, Rianok's teeth chattered. As she lay, wondering how many more bells there were until Sol rose, or at least until the gray light of day returned, she found herself regretting paying the extra two silvers to stay in her own tent. Not that Rianok was particularly comfortable around strangers, but had she chosen one of the shared tents at the road camp, at least she would likely have the snores of another to distract her from her own thoughts, from her own discomfort. Surprisingly, with the thought of snoring, a pang of homesickness filled her. When she was a child, she had slept in a big open room atop their three-story cabin with her three brothers and two sisters. Between her brother Brind, who had broken his nose in a fight with one of the Alpine boys, and her sister Gamaris, sleep had always been preceded by a chorus of snorts and snores. It was never her plan to be here, a day's journey south of Halbiston. Hells, it was never her plan to leave the family homestead at all. She loved Guyber Glen, her family's sheep ranch, and the far southern reaches of the Gimlin Woods. Until a fortnight ago, she had never been further from home than Cumbershall, nor had any of her family, to the best of her knowledge, for at least two generations. Even during the Knoll incursion, now called the Knoll Wars, her father and mother had not abandoned the ranch. For the first two years of the war, Rianok, her sister Savine, and her brother Dav had gone to live with her aunt in Cumbershall. But they had returned to the ranch almost as soon as construction of the Great Wall to the south, called the Knoll's Reef, began. The sage winds were a simple people, and the land had always provided all that they needed. The thought of her home made her head feel overfull, like too much wool stuffed into a sack. She missed it so much, and wanted to be back there, but wanted to be back there without all the stares, without the whispers of concern that they never thought she heard. The rain slacked some for a few beats, then faded to near silence. For the first time in days, Rianok heard something other than the constant drumming of rain. Even at this late hour, voices could be heard in the mess tent. 
likely those who had given up on the thought of sleep amidst the cold downpour. A horse nickered. It was a plaintive sound, a demand to know how far into the future a proper stable lie. The sound of the rain had been an ever-present roar, but now that it had let up, the pitter-patter of individual drops began to stand out, leaping from sodden eaves to the puddles below. By and large there was no pattern to it, but every now and again, for the space of a few beats, the sound of the drops found a rhythm, sounded in an order, sounded like the pitter-patter of small feet. The first time this happened, Rianoc wasn't paying attention, recognizing it only as it faded into random chaos. Something in losing it drew all of her attention, and she waited with great anticipation for the order to return. And after a time, it did. As it did, the pit-pat, pit-pat of imagined feet brought an image to her mind's eye an image of a fox. It had all started with the fox. It was hard to rightly say when the first time she had seen the fox was. She was young, very young. She knew that much young enough to believe it was when the tall spring grass still towered over her head. Warm sun on her red hair, the fox had sat near the shadowed edge of the trees just alongside the pasture, studying her. The sight of the little red-furred beast had filled her with a joy, and in her exuberance she had run toward it. The fox had calmly watched until she was twenty or so paces away and then it stood and turned, disappearing into the shadows and foliage so fast it felt like magic. Her parents had endured the excited retelling of seeing the creature with good grace, her father smiling and nodding the whole time. They were blessed to live in a place so full of wondrous creatures, her mother had said but then her father had followed up with, it was fine to see a fox near the pasture, but Rianacht must tell them if she ever saw one near the chicken house. It had made her sad that their joy in the creature only extended as far as the end of the telling of her tale, but she said she understood. From that point on, the fox was always there. Not every day, not where she could find it at will, but she saw it often, and always when she was alone. At some point, around the age of ten, she began to realize that talking about the creature and the frequency with which she saw it was starting to concern her parents and siblings. She became aware through their tone of voice and strained expressions that they thought the creature was made up a friend that dwelled in her imagination to keep her company on her chores. So it was that she decided she needed to stop talking about the fox to others, and for a time everyone was content. She with her little friend that showed itself only to her, and the rest of her friends and relations that she had given up 
her childhood flights of fancy. Sometimes on longer summer days, when her and her siblings were not expected back so early for dinner, she would try to follow the fox. She quickly found that running after it was useless. Even walking toward it at a regular pace was ineffective. Rianok had finally decided the only way to reach the fox was to move like the fox. To slink low in the grass, to move from shadow to shadow. The fox seemed to approve of this behavior, for even in the early stages when her attempts were awkward and unpracticed, it let her get much closer than it ever had before. It became a game, one Rianok looked forward to with great joy. She got better, much better. By the time she was eleven, she often got to within ten paces before the fox would flee. By the time she was twelve, she had twice gotten to within five paces. A few weeks shy of her thirteenth birthday, she had played her best game ever. Unlike past contests, on this particular occasion, every time the fox seemed about to disappear, it would wait just at the edge of sight. She followed all of her focus on the game. Rianok could feel something was different about this time. She was going to catch it. Deep into the woods they had gone, a bell or more. At last, silently poking her head around the trunk of the tree behind which she hid, it was there. The fox sat in an opening, the leaf-filtered light of the forest shining down on the little creature. Just behind it, a fallen log lay at the foot of a small hillock. The fox stared at her and cocked its head. It stood, yipped at her. A short happy noise circled once and sat down again. Rianok crouched on all fours and slowly made her way from behind the tree into the opening. The fox sat unmoving, tongue lolling from its mouth. Rianok crawled closer. She froze as the fox let out two more happy barks, but resumed again when she saw the fox meant to stay. Three paces, two, one. When she was right before her sylvan companion, Rianok sat back in a cross-legged position. Bright green eyes stared intently back at her. She waited ten beats and then reached out her hand. To this day, she had not felt a joy so great as when she touched the red fur. Nuzzling her hand, the fox's eyes closed, its ears folding back. Rianok could not believe she was petting this beast, that the years she had taken to gain this creature's trust had finally paid off. After ten beats or so of petting, she was startled for a moment as the fox stood. But then her joy redoubled as it walked around her, rubbing its warm fur and delightfully fluffy tail on her as it did. Two circuits around one way and then one back the other. Rianok laughed with glee the whole time before the fox nudged its way into her lap and rolled to expose its belly. 
Rianox scratched at the presented tummy, and both of the creature's back legs twitched in comical contentment. Then, in a flash, the fox rolled again, and was gone, up and over the log that lay at the base of the slope. Rianox was not quite sure what to do. Should she stand and follow? Or had the game ended? Her indecision was quickly rendered meaningless as the fox appeared again back over the log. A tiny kit was clenched with motherly care in its teeth. It may have been the most adorable creature Rianok had ever seen. She forced the patience she did not feel on herself, restraining from reaching out to grab the little ball of fur, not wanting to presume too much. But her concern proved unnecessary as the fox made its way directly to her, dropping the little creature in her lap. Unlike the mother, the little pup had blue eyes that looked up to her with curiosity. Rianox snatched the little thing up against the crook between her chest and neck, snuggling it into her face. The tiny being let out a mewling purr. After a time, she took it in both hands, holding it before her face. She kissed its nose. It let out a tiny bark and then licked her nose in return. Rianok laughed and then held the little thing up and out, raising it into the filtered light. The mother fox began to circle around her again. It was then. Then something she was still struggling to fully comprehend occurred. The little kit's fur shone a bright red. At first, Rianok thought it was just because it was backlit from the light above. But soon, it was undeniable. The fur was putting off its own light. It grew brighter and brighter until she was squinting and the shape in her hands was more of a ball of light than a four-legged friend. With no warning, the gentle weight of the pup was gone. The creature was gone, broken into hundreds of motes of sparkling light. They rained slowly down on her, falling lazy as willow fluff. The motes touched her skin, filling her with warmth. In disbelieving awe, her eyes fell from the canopy above to the forest floor ahead. Mother Fox now sat atop the log, looking down on her. Closing her eyes again, ears pointing backward, the creature's mouth peeled back in what could only be called a smile. And then she too vanished. Not as ever before, not by darting into shadow or behind the log. The image of her vulpine friend just faded, as if it was made from nothing but light. Tears streamed down Rianok's freckled cheeks. Joy, confusion, frustration, awe. As she sat speechless, afraid to move, afraid of the implications of what had just transpired, all seemed quiet. A far-off noise wormed its way into that silence. And then, as she realized it was her mother's concerned voice calling for her, she stood with a start. The noise of the woods came back to her, the chatter of birds preparing to roost for the night, the gentle rustle of leaves in the wind. The clearing in which she stood was darker now, 
soul must have passed over the bristlebacks. It was late. She was going to be in trouble. As quick as she could, with no concern for quiet, she rushed back toward home, soon calling out as well, so her mother might hear her voice and know that she was all right. A stern scolding she had received, torn between telling a truth that her parents would not believe and making up an excuse that would see her kept under her brother's watch for a week. She opted for the latter. Rianak had told her parents that she had simply lost track of time, had gone looking for a perfect stick and not realized how late it was until she heard her mother's call. She did feel bad for scaring her parents, but it seemed a poor choice to confuse and worry them further with tales of mystical foxes. She bore her extra chores and the restriction to never be out of the sight of either her parents or her eldest brother with good grace and no complaints. So when the fifth day of her seven-day punishment came, her parents relented and told her she was free to be on her own as she saw fit again. Not wishing to press her luck or draw suspicion, she waited a full seven days beyond that before wandering again toward the forest in search of her friend. Those twelve days were the longest span of time she had not seen the fox since first laying eyes on it all those years prior. It made her nervous like part of herself was missing. So it was all the more distressing when she had finally worked up the nerve to go looking again by the woods and could not find the fox. Rianak had even tried to retrace her steps to the clearing one day, but to no success. Its location eluded her. She began to worry. Worry her parents had been right. Had it really just been her imagination all this time? Rianok's thirteenth birthday had come. Her father had given her a finely made knife with a bone handle. Her mother presented her a new cloak of heavy wool dyed a fine green. Her favorite foods had been prepared. Pork and lamb sausages, potato and onion pie, blackberry scones with clotted cream and raspberry jam. Usually she loved her birthday, but on this occasion she did not get the one thing she truly wanted. To see the fox again. To know it was real. That is not to say she did not get any surprises that day. As she had made ready for bed, drowsy from a belly full of food, a voice had whispered to her from the shadows. That had been the first time she had heard Cinder's voice. Inexplicable occurrences have come to the otherwise normal life of a young halfling girl. But what is behind these mysterious events? And what do they truly portent? Stay tuned next week for part two of Child of Shadow child of mischief.
good people of the wide, wide world of <laughs> the other side of this microphone, wherever that is. Uh, so excited. The second half of season five has just begun. Right now, at the time of recording, uh, something new character art stuff starting to come out for some of the main characters. To date, as of recording time, we have released portraits of Yanif, of Mela, and of Karia. Three more to come in the next few weeks, and by the time this hits public radio, there will probably be much, much more. Uh, there were six in total in the first series I completed. I think I got about five in the second one, and then after that it's going to be uh, whatever I can do, whenever I can do it. So pretty cool. Uh, very excited to actually get to make something that you can visually see uh, what the characters are. So that's that. They can either be seen uh, on my Patreon site if you're a patron, or for public peoples, uh, they hit the my website a little bit later, uh, maybe a week or two after they are released to patrons. So check them out, either one of those places. Hope you are all having the best of times, and the second half of season five is underway. <laughs> <laughs>